0: Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church in Wellston, Oklahoma, preaching the weekly teaching and preaching ministry of the church. We are grateful that you are choosing to join us today. Our prayer is that you are blessed by today's study of God's Word, and your heart will be receptive to what God desires to teach you today. For more information about
1: FBC Wilson, please visit our website at fbcwellston.org. We hope you enjoyed today's service, and we look forward to studying God's Word with you today. Priscilla, right? Aquila and Priscilla, alright? So, Acts 18, if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, Acts 18, next week I have been asked for us to do look at Hosea. So, a uh, pretty good chance we're going to be in the book of Hosea next week. That's in the Old Testament. Um, one of the Old Testament prophets, so that's kind of who is on tap for next week. So, Acts 18 is where we're going to be looking at the idea of Aquila and Priscilla. With, we've, with all of these, what we've done is ask, who were they? The biographical or factual information that we ask, why do we know them? And then we ask the question, well, what lessons do they have to teach us? So, we're in Acts 18. The reason why we're Acts 18 is because that's the first place that I can find in Scripture where Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned. So Acts 18 kind of gives us the first glimpse of who they are. So asking the question, who were they? And I'm asking for factual information. What do we know about them biographically? What do we know about them as Aquila and Priscilla? Very cool. They were married, okay. So they're a married couple. All right. What else do we know about them? Athens, Corinth. Corinth? Correct? Well, they're living in Corinth, right? Moved they moved to Corinth. They moved to Corinth from where? Italy. Italy. Italy? Where are you all getting this from? Acts 18. Google. Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. So in Acts 18 and verse 2 is where you're getting all this from. Right, Anthony? Okay, so it says that you, there is, he's talking about Paul. Uh, verse 1 says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. So right there, we get a whole bunch of information about who these people Yes, they're married. Yes, they're living in Corinth, which is where they first come into. That's where you first see them. They're in verse 2. They are living in Corinth. They had come from Italy. Um, any idea where they came, at, came from in Italy? Any ideas? Pontus. Rome. Rome, okay. So Pontus is a different region. So when it talks about that he was a native of Pontus, if you were to look on a map, I don't have a map to give you. So um, you have what is modern-day Italy, all right? And then you have the Aegean Sea, Aegean Sea, and then you have what is modern-day Greece. all right. And then from there, you have what is modern-day Turkey, further to the east. On the north side of what is modern-day Turkey, if you look at your Bible maps, if you have them in the back of your Bible, they will have the area of Bithynia. And that is closer to the west, and then closer to the east side is the area of Pontus. Right along the barrier, or right along the shore of the Black Sea. Sea. So if you have a Bible map in the back and you find the Black Sea, south of that will be Bithynia and then you will have Pontus right there south of that is Cappadocia. Cappadocia. So if you go to 1 Peter and you were to see and 1 Peter starts talking about all these regions that he's writing to, you will see Pontus, Cappadocia, Bithynia, all these were regions or sectors of what is now modern day Turkey. So from Pontus you would go to the west, and you would go um, past uh, what is modern-day Greece into Italy, and that would be Rome, but then where you're at in Corinth, Corinth is in what is modern-day Greece. So if you're thinking about geographically, you can just, I don't know if you can picture those in your head or not, but... they tell us right there in 18 chapter 18 and verse 2 is Aquila was originally from Pontus right along the black sea right along the shoreline of the black sea somewhere in his life he migrated immigrated to the west all the way most likely to Rome in Italy then Claudius um, then expelled the Jews and that is when him and Priscilla then migrated down um, across part of that north side of the Mediterranean and there to the city of Corinth. Does that make sense? Okay. So, yes sir. So you got Jews
0: living in all that parts of the ancient world scattered away from so it just makes me question if
1: they were dispersed of the ten tribes from Israel? and then... Very possibly because the Assyrians would be to the northeast of Pontus. And it was the Assyrians that came down and captured the ten northern tribes. And the ten northern tribes are the ones that are considered the lost tribes because we don't really have any more record of them biblically of what happens to the ten tribes. It's the two southern tribes that focus in Nehemiah and Ezra and Haggai. All of that, rebuilding of the temple. the Babylonian capture, Cyrus of Persia—that was all in relation to the two southern tribes of Judah. So, really, the ten, the ten northern tribes kind of go off in the history books, and so very well, possibly, could be descendants. It seems funny that they would be dispersed but maintain their Jewish identity. Sure, like
0: they had to leave Rome, right? So they had to have some. Some kind of identity <laughs> with
1: being a Jew. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Does any of your Bible say when Claudius did the um, expelling of the Jews from Rome? Does any of your Bible say anything about the timeline? Does somewhere? Does somewhere? Okay. So, because so I was just gonna see if your Bible said the same thing as mine. So if mine says around what? 49, 49. okay, so that's what mine says, so around AD 49, or year 49, is when Claudius, who was the emperor at that time, expelled the Jews from Rome, so if you're trying to kind of put a timeline, because in the book of Acts, it really doesn't give us a date, it doesn't give us, okay, so on February the 2nd, Paul then did that, and October the 3rd, Paul did this, so we really have to piece it with other things, so you got Aquila and Priscilla and it says there in verse 2 that they had recently come from Italy um, when Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and we know that happened in year 49 AD. The reason why we want to know that happened is we have other historic writings extra-biblical historic writings Roman historical writings that keep track of that and recorded as happening in year 49 AD. So we know that's around 49 AD so we have Aquila and Priscilla verse 2 kind of gives us we know they're a married couple, we know that Aquila was originally from Pontus, somewhere he got into Rome, Italy. Somewhere along the way, they had gotten married. They left Rome, um, they're in Italy, and they were now down in Corinth. Somewhere after 49 A.D., him and his wife are living there in Corinth. What else do we know about them? Tent makers. They're tent makers. Okay, so we see that there in verse 3, right? We see that they are tent makers, which kind of coincided because when Paul was looking for somebody to hang out, was looking for a, a couch to surf, um, he ended up surfing on their couch. So, do we know anything else about them? They were acquainted with Paul. <laughs> Paul. What did you say?
0: I said the obvious.
1: The, yeah,
0: okay. Themselves
1: in trouble. Yeah. Anything else? they tied Apollos? Apollos? Well, we get, yeah, and I'm, I was going to get to that when we were talking about why do we know them, but is, do we? Do you know of anywhere else where the Bible gives any explanation about mother, father, children, brothers, sisters?
0: So her name is mentioned, what is her six times? Her name is mentioned three times before his? Mm-hmm. So does that mean she has come from a higher status or some sort of lit royalty? Or is it just that she served maybe a little bit more on the forefront so she's mentioned more?
1: Or so I've got about three hours worth of reading. Because I wanted to know why you would have in Romans sixteen that they mention her first, and in Romans sixteen it says Prisca and Aquila, not Priscilla. So why do you use a different why use a different variation of the name? After about three hours, what I got to was nobody knows. People have an opinion. So you'll see elsewhere in Scripture. You'll see elsewhere in Scripture Well, they will, were here in Romans 18. They mentioned his name first, but there's other places where they're mentioned where they mention her name first. So you'll have some writers that will say, well, what that means is, is they would always put the person of prominence in first. So therefore, if she is mentioned first, that must mean that she had more prominence in ministry than he did so therefore she was a woman pastor so therefore we should ordain and support women being preachers. Okay, then there's another there's another one out there that says, well because she is mentioned it could have been more of culturally, she may not have been Jewish. She might have been Gentile. She might have been Roman. She might have been Greek. She might have been something else because the Bible doesn't say that she was a Jew. It says that he was a Jew. She may not have been a Jew, but she married him and then came into the Jewish faith and so culturally, if you're writing to a Gentile audience, you would mention the Gentiles before you mention the Jews. That's one theory that is out there. Another theory that is out there is that it's just when you are writing, it's just whatever you're thinking about. There is no definite order. So when you're talking about Spence and Jaylene or Jaylene and Spence, there's really not a set reason why you would mention Spence and Jaylene or Jaylene and Spence. It's just whoever the person is talking to, that's the way they said it. That the way it's recorded and that's the way we have it and there is no mystery or no suspicion given to that. Uh, like I said I've, I've got about three hours and then finally I was like I don't think that I'm going to find an answer <laughs> and I just stopped. So I found both and then even when it comes to Prisca as we'll see here in a minute when I was looking to say why did they use Prisca instead of Priscilla what I was finding was thoughts, ideas, but when it comes down to the end of the day, the Bible doesn't tell us why. So we've got to be really careful. We can have thoughts, we can have ideas, but we've got to be really careful that the Bible doesn't say why it's given in a different order when it when it mentions a husband and wife. You may have a study Bible, but a study Bible, remember, those study notes are written by a person giving their opinion. So you got to be careful because your study notes, if you have a John MacArthur study Bible, if you have a Charles Ryrie study Bible, if you have a Schofield study Bible, I mean one of the OGs, I mean if you have these different things, I mean you're still getting that person's take on what was going on. So your study notes are not inspired. And so you got to be careful even sometimes looking at study notes because sometimes you're just getting that person's opinion. And I'm not saying that person's opinion is not valuable, but that person's opinion is just as sometimes possible as someone else's personal opinion. So I don't know, Miss Denise. Um, when I got to it, I was saying... I, couldn't, I, I know I couldn't find anything biblically that says this is why it was done. So I was looking for maybe something, a connection, a cross-reference, and I did not find anything that would give me peace to be able to say definitively this is why it was done. Yes, sir? So where does the name Priscilla come from? As far as the origin of the name? Yeah, is it Hebrew, Greek, Latin? I do not know. Because that would give some indication of where she's from. It could, yes, sir. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look that up, Josh. Yeah. Could it also be just the fact that two different
0: authors said Acts is written by Luke and
1: Romans is obviously scribed by Paul, either by hand or by person. yes. And, you know, some people had... I've also read some other stuff that when later on as we're going to see they're talking about the writing to the church that is held in their house. So one writer said the reason why they named her first is because as... They are writing to her and the husband that's having the house church. She would have the responsibility of the hosting of everybody in the house, and so therefore, to just give a tip of a hat of you know respect to her because she's the one that is maintaining the home and the host, the hostess with the mostess kind of thing. I mean, that just sometimes. And, and so a writer said, it's just because of the context. Author, yeah. So am I, am I saying there is not anything significant? I'm not saying there's not anything significant. What I'm going to say is, is the Bible doesn't explain if there is a significance. So if you find a significance somewhere else, great. Be careful, though, of, ascri- or of elevating it to the same um, position of relevance. So any other ideas about who they were? Do we have any genealogy? Do we have any background? I didn't find anything. So if you find something, let me know. Alright, so then let's go to the second question. Well, then why do we know them? So Anthony said we know them because they hung out with Paul. You got that probably out of verse 3. Yes. Right? So in verse 3, it says that uh, uh, verse 2, this is about Paul. Paul went to see them, and he went to see them. And then verse 3, and because he was the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. So we know that um, they were in Corinth when Paul got there, right? And so then Paul um, attached himself to them because um, they had some of the same work. And so there was a relationship that was sparked up there. What else do we know about them? Why, why would they be in Scripture why would we be looking at them tonight? The what else do we know about them? Romans
0: 16 says that they um,
1: risked their lives for Paul. Yes. Romans 16 What? reading. Okay? Four. 3 4 and 5. That's what it is. So you're you're in the you're there. You're there. Okay? So yes, so it, it so that's the reason why we know them. So when Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he mentions them at the end, right? Cuz how many chapters are in Romans? 16. So at the very end, as he's doing his final send off, he mentions them and he mentions them risking their necks for him. <coughs> Problem is, is Paul doesn't qualify when. And he doesn't say they risked their necks for me in this town or in this place. But yes. So in Romans 16, Paul does mention them and uh, mentions <coughs> that they had stood up for him and risked their life for him. They tried to like that. <coughs> oh, buddy. What was that? I said it's probably after they met, right? Yeah. I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would assume, yeah.
0: So what's interesting to me is um, in five. Wait, no, no. At the end of four, it says I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Yeah, I didn't, I don't. Why? I don't think I understand why he say that.
1: Specifically. So one idea that's out there is because <laughs> if they hadn't have stood up for him, then he might have. Mm-hmm died earlier in the ministry and his ministry to the rest of the Gentiles would not have been as robust. So yes sir. So later in Acts eighteen,
0: down in verse verse Uh eighteen, they leave with Paul and get dropped off in Ephesus.
1: Yes. Okay. So, if you scroll down there, if you're still in Acts 18, once they've been there, uh, and how long were they there? How long was Paul there in Corinth? For some time. Anybody remember? Anybody, nobody. Nobody remember? Year and a half. Year and a half. About 18 months. Right. About 18 months. So it says there in verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer. Then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him Priscilla and Aquila and at Centrae, he had his hair cut for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then it says uh, verse 21, by taking leave of them, he said, I'll return to you if God wills. And he sent sail from Ephesus. So we get um, the the um, understanding that we get from that passage is, is that they, they followed Paul from Corinth down to Ephesus. Now, if you look on a map, you got Corinth is on the western side and they'd be traveling east. They'd go through part of the Aegean Sea, which is on the northern side of the Mediterranean. And then we get to Ephesus, which Ephesus is part of the, the shoreline of what is now modern day Turkey. So they land in Ephesus. They're there. Paul leaves um, Aquila and Priscilla there in Ephesus. And then he he goes back down to Caesarea and is going to go back to Antioch which ends which missionary journey for Paul? The second. That's the second one, okay? So if you're looking at a timeline of Paul's missionary journeys you are coming in to the timeline this is where he finishes his second missionary journey and then uh, duh, 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 duh. When you get chapter nineteen and verse one, when Paul, when it picks back up the picture of Paul, this is the beginning of his third missionary journey. All right, so we know that they accompanied Paul to Ephesus. What else do we know about them? Why else would we know about them? What does it say in verse twenty six? So I think this is where you're talking, Harold, about Apollos, right? Mm -hmm. So while they're in Ephesus, uh, a cat named Apollos rolls in. And uh, he's doing on a speaking tour, if you will, and he's talking a bunch, but he, he has some holes in his understanding about the ministry of Christ and what Christ had done. So it says there in verse 26 that Priscilla and Aquila, notice that the order got, got changed there. Some people go to seed on this, and some people make a bigger deal out of this than the Bible does. So just be careful. It says Priscilla and Aquila took him aside. Um, they heard him, and they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And then um, once um, they explained that to him, he got it. And then it says that he wished to cross into Achaia. And then he ended up crossing into Achaia and going on into Corinth. That's uh, chapter 19 and verse 1. And so you see them again, um, co-laborers with Paul, company Paul to Ephesus. And then while they're at Ephesus, after Paul left to go back down to Antioch, between the second and third missionary journey, um, Apollos comes into town and they help Apollos. They're like, hey, Let's uh, kind of school you up a little bit and let's kind of help you out and explain to you what's going on. So you see him being instrumental in helping people, explaining, instruction, things like that. Anywhere else we see him? Can you say Timothy no, we haven't. Timothy,
0: uh, 2
1: Timothy chapter 4. Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter 4, they get mentioned. And what did kids said about him there? Mr. Houston? The yeah? So, so, so the the okay. So as he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy was claimed to be the pastor where? Uh Ephesus, Boy, you guys need to wake up. Alright, so he is. Uh, it is claimed that Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. 2 Timothy is claimed to be the final letter, the final um, writing that we have in the New Testament that Paul wrote before he died. So 2 Timothy is the final writing of Paul. He's writing to Timothy, who we assume, based upon the dating, that he is still pastoring in Ephesus. He is pastoring the same church that Paul helped start, back in Acts chapter 19 and as he's writing to Timothy trying to encourage him he mentions there in verse 19 giving these final greetings saying hey greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus so he's saying hey greet them which would imply it implies that they're still in Ephesus or that they are there that in close contact with them So, yes, in Romans 16, as he's writing to the church in Rome, he mentions Aquila and Priscilla, which would indicate that when he's writing the book of Romans, they're in Rome. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he's writing, it would indicate that they had some type of a proximity to Timothy. They're in Ephesus. And then there's one more place where it mentions Aquila and Priscilla. 1 Corinthians 16. That's right. So, it, am I, is that right? Is that what you had? Alright, so 1 Corinthians 16 mentions them. And it says in verse 19, The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, sends you hearty greetings in the Lord. So, there's three different places that Paul mentions Aquila and Priscilla. In Romans... 1 Corinthians and 2 Timothy he mentions them now here's where my mind goes um, some of you may like we don't care we just what we, doesn't matter to us my mind goes so where are these people at because as he is writing, he is writing to three different places geographically. He is writing to Rome, he is writing to Corinth, and he is writing to Ephesus. They, that is not Luther, Wellston, and Chandler. All right, So we're not talking about just a few miles apart from each other. We are talking about days and days of travel. Sailing is involved. I mean, this isn't just a simple thing. So as he is writing, you start to ask the question, well, where are these people at? Exactly when he's writing. So that took me back to saying, well, let's look at the timestamp of when he is writing and where he's writing to. So we know around 49 AD they leave Rome and they're down in Corinth, right? Meet up with Paul there in Corinth. They get down to Ephesus. From there, Paul leaves and he goes and he finishes his second missionary journey. We know with dating that Paul finished his second mercenary journey around 51 to 52 AD. So, we're trying to put a timeline together. We know that somewhere around 52, 50 AD, Paul leaves them in Ephesus and he goes back down to Antioch to um, reconvene with the church. Well, He goes back to Ephesus at the beginning of the second or the third missionary journey around 53-54 A.D. And it is assumed that from Ephesus he then writes the epistle to the Romans. So it is possible that after he left... And after Claudius' reign was over, which uh, this happened right around 54 A.D., that once the all-clear signal was given after Claudius had died around 54 A.D., that Aquila and Priscilla went back to Rome. And now they are in Rome, 54-55 A.D., when Paul is writing to them. Okay? But that doesn't really answer the question about them being there in Corinth. Well, if you think about where they're at, it is likely that he wrote Corinth after Romans. So they had traveled back. Um, and then in 2 Timothy, um, this is written around the mid-60s. And so it's, saying, it's kind of implying, indicating that they were not just fixtures in one place forever. They were here, they moved here, they moved here here, they moved here, and they moved around. And why does that matter? It doesn't really matter as much as just to think that you have a husband and wife that were willing to go wherever they were needed to minister and to serve in the churches. Possibly at the direction of Paul. Very, very possible, yes. Because in Romans chapter 16, he talks about my fellow worker, right? And you can spend hours also reading about what he meant by my fellow worker. And does he use my fellow worker with everybody he mentions? No, he doesn't. So, my fellow worker is a term that he uses very selectively to talk about a very select group of people that were more intimate with him and more um, involved in ministry. which would indicate, imply, that Priscilla and Aquila were kind of top-tier, top-tier volunteers.
0: So my, my translation actually says, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. Yes. Um, and then all, a little bit further, in five, it says, also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home, which kind of leads me to believe that they were likely like trapped, you know, missionaries or
1: traveling Yeah. Yeah. So when it says there in Romans chapter 16 about risking their neck, some people have thought that if you go back to Acts 19, there's a riot. Remember this? The riot at Ephesus? Remember? Paul's there for two years, and it says there... um, In chapter 19 and verse 10, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks, while Paul was there for two years ministering in Ephesus. But then, uh, starting in verse 21, there's a riot that breaks out because the people, the the metal workers that were making the idols that people were buying in Ephesus started losing business because people weren't buying idols because people were turning to Christ. Well, the idol makers then figured out the person the response for this was Paul, and they got mad and they stirred up a big old riot. Okay, and they got everybody worked up, got them there in the amphitheater, and were trying to do harm to Paul. And Paul wanted to go in there and confront them in Paulish type style, and he was restrained from going in there and restrained from his companions. It says, uh, verse thirty of chapter nineteen. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd the disciples would not let him and so some people have suggested Shaney that at this time is when Aquila and Priscilla were there and they went in there and stood up for Paul said you're not getting past us and put their necks on the line is one suggestion that's out there so any other reasons why we know about them? So, what lessons do they teach us? So, we think about who they were. So, we got kind of a a framework about who they were. We got kind of a framework about why do we know them about their their ministry with Paul, their service to Paul, and how they moved around, most likely, and they were in different places and used in different times. Why do you think they're in Scripture for you and I to look at as a model example today? Because God put it there. Because God put it there? Okay.
0: I mean, they're a good example of a married Okay. Um unlike Ananias and Sapphira last week, <laughs> um, they kind of show how you should be leading your family and how you as a couple should be, you know, with you
1: know, strong in your faith. So not really like a model for how to navigate marriage. Maybe. On the on the marital if side. They we're successful. But it doesn't tell me how how she got him trained or he got her trained,
0: <laughs> or how they worked side by side <laughs> in the
1: garden. In the garden, because you know they had to have a garden. But they
0: they also hosted a church in their house. Right. A good example of disciples making disciples. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, and how that what that looks like. You know. Right? Good? Okay. Well, they had to get along. Well, no, they didn't have to get along. I mean, I know a lot of couples that have been married for a lot of years that... don't not get along in church? <laughs> they don't even sometimes do that. <laughs> they, they're together out of more stubbornness than... Well,
0: they knew how to work.
1: Is there something else coming?
0: <laughs> it's like soon I... She's living with me right now, and we kind of get along. But there are times that we tell each other how it is. Right. But then we make up and we go on because we're still living together because that's where we live. Right. So we get along.
1: Sometimes by choice, and sometimes by.
0: Yeah, and life's a little better when you're getting along than it is when you're not. I agree. I agree. I think they were bold in their faith because um, they took Apollos and wanted to expound on his teaching. Right. So they obviously had to have knowledge themselves. Yeah. They obviously had the right priority.
1: Well, I wrote down that they were, they were known more for their service than their success. I mean, they were tent makers, and so you, you can read some commentary that will talk about. Well, because they were tent makers, that allowed them some freedom to move and not be tied down. I mean, if they were fishermen, they'd have to be where there's fish. If they were you know, sheep herders, they would have to be in locations where you could graze sheep. So being tent makers, they used tents... At the shoreline, they used tents in the desert land. I mean, they used, so they had the flexibility by trade to be able to move around and still be able to have income. But then also that because they were able move around so freely, that indicated there was a certain amount of. Um, Success in the trade that they were able to financially move from place to place to place. And so it talked about, you know, that they they must have had a successful enterprise secularly to be able to fund their movement ministerially. But in the scripture, they're not focusing on the size of their tent or the kinds of tents they produced or how many uh, five-star reviews they had on Yelp for their kind of tents or their customer service. It just talks about their service in the kingdom of God and how they were used in the kingdom of God which, you know, sometimes the first thing we ask each other when we first meet each other is what do you do for a living not what do you do for the kingdom and we get that backwards sometimes and we we start to be more concerned about you know, where you're at in the, the ladder of the world's idea of success instead of where you're at in your devotion and service to the kingdom of God so. so when we come to church, are we supposed to ask each other, what, where is your service at? We could. We could. Like, I, I, there was a guy years ago that he would, I mean, let's say he goes up and he, he meets Josh and he said, well, Josh, how's the good Lord treating you today? And uh, Josh would say something like, oh, he, he's treating me pretty good. And then he would say, well, how are you treating him? Mm-hmm. It's just a masterful gotcha question. You know, and it wasn't like he was trying to be a jerk and it wasn't like he was trying to be, you know, narrow-minded just, how's the good Lord treating you today? How are you treating him? And it just, it just was a jumping off point of having that conversation. And there's, you know, or he was the same kind of guy that he'd go up and he'd say, oh, Miss Carol, my name's Spence. I'm saved. How about you? And he would just start the conversation, which I'm looking at him going, that's awesome. It's awkward as I'll get at them if I walk up and say, you know, Hey, Corey, you know, my name's Spence. I'm a Christian. How about you? I mean, that just, it feels awkward. Right? It feels awkward, and I think sometimes it feels awkward because I don't do it.
0: One of the things, and it was it Hayden that did this, and I have used this a lot, is what was your word from the Lord today? That's such a good conversation to start between, I mean, even here for us inside the church to know how's God speaking to you?
1: Yeah.
0: I like that one a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other lessons that you think about when it comes to... I met a little boy I was at a Cowboy Hall of Thing, and
0: they had these uh, horse buggy rides. So we got in this horse buggy and this little two-year-old is sitting beside us. He goes... Are you saved? <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a conversation about that. I was, you know, and he impressed me so much. You can uh, remember his name. His name is Josiah. Wow. So you don't, you don't yeah. get that little
1: character. So keep a kid around. You have to do the <laughs> <laughs> right. Just, just utilize your children.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I was the only one he asked Right. in the day, but he asked him.
1: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. My Bible does say that uh, Prisca is
0: Greek. Okay. Thank you. A variant of Priscilla.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Can I have, ask a question that doesn't have anything to do with that but... book? Did you go to verse 17? You just did. Why did they grab Sosthenes and beat him? In Acts 19, 18, 18, 18 Acts 18, 17.
0: 17. When they were judging, when they took Paul to be judged, and they threw him out saying, This is your not mine, and so they beat Sophonies. And he's not prior to that.
1: Tell me again, tell me. 18. You said. So. The crowd then grabs grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and him right there
0: in the courtroom. Acts 18. Acts, Acts 18. Acts 18, verse 17.
1: You're asking why they did that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just
0: seems weird. They're all up there, and, you know, up in arms about Paul, and they say, "Okay, leave Paul alone." He doesn't. He's, well, we're we're not going to do anything with Paul because this is your, these are your laws.
1: So, like, all right, let's get off the knees. So, so, the, so there's, some, there's some thoughts out there. So, so there's some thoughts. So one of the thought is, is when the Jews go to the Romans and say, hey, we want you to do something, Romans go, hey, he hasn't done anything wrong with Roman law. That's a Jewish matter. You take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So they'll go get the guy that's in charge of all the Jews in the town, the leader of the synagogue, and they'll thump on him right in front of the, the Romans to go, hey, is this breaking your law yet? Trying to get some attention, trying to get some action. Or it could have been that... They're grabbing Sothenes because they wanted him to be more of an advocate to go to the Romans because he might have more clout, but he wasn't willing to do that. And so, in retaliation for him not being on the side of go get Paul, they decided to thump on him. But I don't, it doesn't give us an explanation. So, any explanation that I would have would just be my opinion. So, earlier in that chapter, didn't it say
0: that the leader or the leader
1: or ruler of the synagogue was a believer? When he changes, so you're talking about verse 7, right? So he goes to the synagogue, they don't listen to him, so he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, just as a worshiper of God, his house was next door to the synagogue, is that what you're talking about? And then in verse 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together, right? That was Crispus, not Saul. So yeah but you but one of the things that you got to be careful about is that you are talking you're not talking about days. So when you get down there to uh, that's you know where you're at in verse eight and it talks about the ruler of the synagogue I believe the timeline between that and where you're at there in 17 might have been months. could have been a year or two between timelines. so yes ma'am. Could
0: you tell me the year again? when Claudius
1: is expelling all the Jews from Rome? 49 A.D. 49 A.D. Okay, and
0: Claudius, what what would his aliases be? Because I know they go up. Maximilius, the Mostus, something. <laughs> <laughs> try to, try to, like, from Caesar Augustus to, like, who are our Roman rulers? That we...
1: I do not have those memorized. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I knew I should have studied that today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I know he was there in 49. I know that he died in 54 okay. AD. I'm trying to figure out if this, if this was also this. <laughs>
0: like, is this is that the same? Like, just de- depending on nickname right.
1: or not. And I wish they would do, I, mean, I wish they would all, same Sam it was Sam. But Sam would is not Sam. Yeah. Sam has some other name that he goes by that's kind of like the popes. Okay. You Catholic people, why can't your pope just keep his birth name? I mean, why? Why is he this? And then, I mean, he's Sam, and then he becomes a Pope, and now he becomes John. It's like, well, now we have fifteen Johns. I got to try to keep track of. The same. Yes. Yes. Confusing. Confusing. It's confusing. The whole name that I found for him is
0: Tiberius Claudius Caesar Augustus. Okay. Oh,
1: Terminations. Right? Terminatius. Huh. You said Tiberius, Claudius, Caesar, Augustus, Germanus. Germanus. So that's
0: like all their names, so it's like. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But this is what Okay. I really see them using their gifts that God gave them. I mean, their talents and their hospitality was pretty amazing. Yes. Using what God had given them to give out. Yeah.
1: He just befriended them because they were tent makers. That's what it says. It says when he got to Corinth, and you can go back and read that. And I've heard preachers preach on this that he gets to Athens. Paul is by himself. Timothy is gone. Um, Luke is gone. He's pretty much in Athens by himself. He goes up and he wants to have a conversation with the learned people there at the area of Gopagus or Mars Hill, depending on how your translation is. They pretty much laugh him out of the place, make fun of him, mock him, ridicule him. He leaves Athens by himself makes his way down to Corinth. I've heard some preachers um, preach and say when he gets to Corinth, he just is dejected and he is lonely. And he has been, if you go back and read the preceding chapters there, it's like every town he has gone to, he gets in trouble. Um, And every place he goes to, he gets beaten, he gets whooped, he gets made fun of. And finally, when he gets to Corinth, he's by himself. He's been not necessarily abandoned, but nobody's with him. Run out from place to place to place to place, and he gets to Corinth, and he's just looking for a place to convalesce, looking for a place to just recover. And that's where he comes upon Aquila and Priscilla. They take him into their house, the hospitality, the hosting thing. They take him into their house, and he hangs out with them for a period of months, just kind of getting his spiritual fervor back. Did he get that from the text? It doesn't say that in so many words, but it could have, that could all very well possibly be true. So, reasonable—that's reasonable. right. It's it's, re- it's reasonable to think that could happen. So, ministerially speaking. <laughs> well, I hope I hope that you will. Um, not just think about them as far as the husband and wife and how they're used, but just the example they are of their service to ministry and their usability in ministry and their hosting of saying, hey, we are going to be used to see the gospel go forth and I hope that you'll just look at them as an example of a what it seems like a faithful couple, a um, together couple and a couple that serve the Lord and you and I know about them tonight not because of how much money they made making tents or not because of how many children they had or not because of academics or not because of the size of their house. We know them because of their service to the kingdom of God. And they aren't even the main characters. Paul's the main character. They're the supporting cast, and that's why we just have a little bit of scant information about them because they're not even the main figures, and they were cool with that. They were having the attitude like, you know what, we don't need to be at the front. We're happy sitting back here washing dishes. And sometimes we can get in that attitude where I'm willing to serve as long as I get the recognition. Well, then who are you serving? Are you serving you, or are you serving the kingdom? Because in the kingdom, the last will be first and the first will be last. So, anyways, appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. Is there another husband and wife duo that's equivalent in the New Testament? I don't know of another husband and wife duo that's mentioned like this in the New Testament. For the good. I mean, we have Ananias, the survivor for the bad. We have Aquila and Priscilla for the good. But I don't know of another one that is highlighted in Scripture. So, Yeah. But You got Mary Joseph. I mean, you know, not the same. Not the same. Not the same. Okay. Appreciate y'all being here. Um, I encourage you in the morning. Get your Bible. Send a text out at 4 o'clock in the morning. Send a text out at 4 o'clock.
0: No. Time to read it.
1: I'm going to say,
0: that'd be pretty early. Guarantee
1: I want to read it. He before. Not the way to make friends and get influence. That—that is—that's not the way to do that. So. Uh. do. I do want to encourage you in the morning. Get your Bible out. And It doesn't matter if you haven't been in your Bible for a week. Get your Bible out. Or if in the morning you're just flat out refusing to get in your Bible, before you go to bed, get your Bible. And just make it a purpose to do that. So, anyways. Appreciate y'all being here. Thanks for being here. Miss Karina, would you pray for us? We'll go home. Thank you for joining us today at FBC Wellston. We would love to hear from you or connect with you. If you will visit our website at fbcwellston.org, please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.